We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know that Dwayne Bacon has a love for fashion, but his suit game doesn't match R.J. Barrett's. R.J. Barrett in his pink suit on draft night and the ones that he wears pregame in the tunnel, they're all made by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome into another BuzzBeat episode. We are a member of the Blue Wire Network, and you can find our episodes on BlueWirePods.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. On today's episode, we're going to recap the Suns game from Monday night, and then look into some college prospects with the direction of this team. I don't think it's ever too early to kind of look into that stuff. Also, we're bringing on a guest and a friend of the show, Noah Purser. Noah, how's everything going with you? It's going great, man. Uh, glad to be on the podcast finally. Glad to get some thoughts out there. I know QCH has been a little dry lately, so glad to get back out there. And lastly, Brian, how's everything going with you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, there, There is basketball that I must watch every day. Um, ACC Big Ten Challenge starting up this week, which is exciting. I actually think I, I, there's a good chance I may be in Chapel Hill to see Cole Anthony take on Ohio State tomorrow night or Wednesday night, which would be cool. But yeah, busy times, but certainly a fun time of the year too. All right, so we're going to start this podcast off by talking about the Suns game and just some big picture stuff that we're seeing with this team. Uh, The Hornets lost another heartbreaker, uh, this time to the Phoenix Suns, 109-104. The Suns ended the game on a 12-0 run, uh, and the Hornets continue to be troubled by their turnovers. 
Uh, they had 19 turnovers on the game. 22 is a season high for them. They allowed 22 points off those turnovers, which was fifth highest on the season. And while the ending might have been very hard to watch, I think the start of the game was just a big of issue, uh, if not bigger issue. The Hornets scored only 39 points in the first half. That was the lowest of the year. They had 15 turnovers in the first half, which was the highest of the season uh, in a half. And they were down by 20 points, which was the highest margin leading into halftime. Third quarter, especially, I thought they played very well in the beginning of the fourth quarter as well. But uh, again, the end of game clutch situation didn't turn out so great. And the Suns came back on a 12-0 run and beat the Hornets. Uh, I think that Ubre was a beast in this game. You saw his length play a major, major factor on the defensive end. And he was really like the one-man band on this team towards the end of the game. Um, you know, He's been really good since coming over from Washington uh, to this Phoenix team. So, no, I, I want to open it up with you. I, I don't know how much of this game that you watched, but uh, turnovers for this team seem to be an issue. And, you know, is that something that you can attribute to the youth here? Or um, is there just something more to it? Yeah, I mean, as far as turnovers go, like this is to be expected with a young team. Um, I think a lot of it is going to be blamed on the coaching and the system we have in place. Uh, but I think in large in large part, it's the uh, just the youth of the team and getting used to the pieces that they have. Um, I don't think you can blame any individual one player. I know some of the ball handling uh, problems could be attributed to Terry Rozier, uh, Miles Bridges. Uh, but I think one player that uh, has significantly significantly improved uh, since I've watched him is Malik Monk. And just watching him run the offense with Devontae Graham has been a thing of beauty. Uh, I don't know the numbers exactly, but I think uh, by my eye test, the turnovers are far down when they share the court together. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Malik handle the ball a little bit more. You know, I think this Hornets team, they're, they're, it's, pretty, it's a pretty athletic bunch for the most part. Uh, especially if you factor in some of the small ball lineups they play and some of the athletic pop that that Bridges and Monk bring to the, bring to the lineup. And they certainly push the ball after the defensive rebounds too, which perhaps that leads to some of the turnover issues, which have really ballooned to Charlotte 25th in the NBA in turnover rate at 16%. Um, I, mean, I mean, you got a lot of young guys obviously making decisions with the basketball but when Devontae sits and then the offense starts funneling through Terry Rozier and, and Miles Bridges, that's when things really go sideways. And the Hornets' turnover rate ticks up to above 17% with Devontae Graham on the bench. And, and look, Graham has had his turnover issues after a you know a fairly spotless rookie season. But with a bigger playmaking uh, responsibility uh, on his plate this year, those, of course, have uh, that's ballooned. He's just, just more – he's overburdened, and there's being more that's asked of him here too. Defensively, yeah, like this team – team is uh, they're they're bad in so many ways um i even thought pj washington against phoenix uh, he he had a lapse into uh, transition defense that allowed to a, a i think a dunk for my cal bridges who i thought had a nice little game uh for phoenix uh in charlotte but just miles this continues to be a thing we talk about every single week and and i i hate to say it but I'm not sure if and when the light's going to go on. It doesn't feel like it's if it does, that is going to be a thing that happens, that it's anytime soon. And I think this is something that we're just going to talk about every single week. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, like he just he he and Malik fell asleep a few times defensively uh, against Phoenix. Malik got beat backdoor for an alley oop dunk by Michael Bridges. Nice little pass from yeah, that was from, the first quarter from yep. Ty Jerome. Yeah, and I mean the the game was that was when things were looking pretty ugly for the for the Hornets too. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I have not bailed. I'm not hitting the eject button on Miles Bridges yet, though a lot of the sort of like advanced catch all numbers are not super friendly. I like the athleticism, which is rare. Uh, the above-the-break three-point shooting is special. Uh, there's clearly some sort of like uh, ability for him to to create off the dribble, but he doesn't have great feel. He throws some really bad passes. He never he he doesn't get to the free throw line hardly ever, which is surprising for a guy that like you know lives driving the basketball or in the post or or whatever. And some of his synergy shooting numbers are actually pretty good, but it, that does not equate to efficient winning basketball player at the moment. I think we also talk, I mean, we talk a lot about his off ball defense, like, you know, him getting lost on these backdoor cuts, but I feel like his on ball defense isn't that great either. Like there was a moment no. in the first quarter where it, it, it yeah, it yeah, took all of one step well. for, I think it was Bridges. He was guarding to just dribble right on by him. Right and, by him. Uh, and at that point, yeah. he's, a, he's a lost little puppy just trying to catch up to him. So, Noah, what, what are your thoughts on Miles Bridges so far, uh, two years, uh, or I guess really a year and a quarter uh, into his career? And, I mean, I think it should be pointed out that Mikael Bridges is not the fastest ball handler by any means. Um, and he just blew. There were multiple points in the game where he blew right by Bridges for either to create for himself or to create for others. And personally, I think... Uh, one of the more surprising things watching the game last night was just the difference in perception versus reality uh, between the two bridges. Obviously, going into the draft, that was one of the uh, debating questions amongst the Hornets faithful. But I think last night, Mikael Bridges made more of a statement in the fact that he might just be a better overall player. There were multiple points in the game where Bridges created those 12 steals that you guys talked about Um I just think he's a better overall player, and it it is very concerning uh, with Bridges on defense, just like the complete juxtaposition of his offensive game with his defensive game. Um, and I think it's definitely something that they're going to have to look to, look into in the future with uh, his fit with the franchise. All right, we'll get back to this game in a second. Let's take a quick break. With the holiday rush here, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But Brian, how do you keep track of all those orders, decide what shipping carrier to use, or decide if you're getting the best rates. Well, Richie, luckily ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Are you looking for a great gift for someone in your life? Forget the wallets, socks, and ties, and get Harry's. Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. 
Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. The holiday sets start at just $20. That's within Secret Santa limits. Also, Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each, so you will save money over time. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you get free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle with an option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. All right, let's transition to P.J. Washington. I thought P.J. Washington had a pretty good game against the Suns on Monday night. He had some nice drives, uh, some takes to the rim, some hook shots when he had a smaller man on him. Just an all-around physical game, uh, P.J. Washington. You know, he has had his ups and downs this rookie season, uh, but this game against the Suns I thought was one of his better ones. Uh, He, along with other Hornets, were taking it to Frank Kaminsky uh, at the rim. Uh, Frank Kaminsky actually defended 15 shots within six feet of the hoop, uh, and the Hornets made nine of those, which is a very, very good percentage. Noah, what are your thoughts on P.J. Washington so far and his, uh, his rookie season? So the way I've seen P.J. Washington grow just from the first game to now, obviously um, I think there's been a dip in minutes recently, um, but just the difference in how teams are guarding P.J. has been something that I've noticed. Uh, In the start of the season, obviously, he was uh, setting Hornets records left and right uh, just with his three-point shooting and the ability to stretch the floor that I don't think anybody really saw coming, or at least not at the rate he was showing. Um, But something that happened last night that I really noticed was his ability to absorb contact and it's honestly one of like the better like performances or like abilities that I've seen in this rookie class Um, and just his ability to create off the dribble is something that I didn't see coming out of college and I just been really impressed with PJ uh, overall. Clearly PJ's built to play in the NBA now and it's been awesome to see that his post game which he showcased at Kentucky like that's translated directly to the NBA, shooting 60% on post-ups this year, uh, 1.14 points per possession. His post-passing has been excellent. Charlotte scored off the charts well uh, when P.J. has passed the ball out of the post or has gone like a little post-to-post pass. I don't think I accounted for just how good this guy would be in the screen roll game, but when Charlotte spaces it out, and when they play, especially when they play P.J. at the small ball five and pair him with, with Marvin, I mean, good night. When you put three shooters and Devontae Graham as an orchestrator around him, and like that, I know that's not you know that's not the the 2018 Warriors, but that's enough. You're going to generate good shots out of that all game. And PJ's been outstanding in the pick and roll this season. And those two guys, Graham and Washington, as a combination, have been amazing. PJ has been assisted on 33 field goals this season by Devontae. 20 of those at the rim. Uh, six of those have been three-pointers, two, five from above the break. You know, a lot of pick-and-pop looks as well, too, something they've been working on more. And Charlotte's clearly trying to j- find more ways to get to that pick-and-roll. We saw a couple empty side looks out of some sideline and out-of-bounds play. They've been working in some weave action the last couple of weeks a little bit more, too, or 
trying to split the defense with multiple playmakers up top with Graham and Monk and sort of flow into some pick and roll with with PJ. Look, long term, he's clearly, you know, he's got to be the leader in the clubhouse between those two guys right now. I still, again, I I still have hope that the light will go on with Miles um, because his athleticism is so special. But, yeah, if you had to pick one of these guys, it's not even – there's no debate right now, you know. Um, They're basically the same age, and right now PJ is just – pardon the pun, but he's just miles ahead of of Bridges uh, on both ends of the court. And I think one of the biggest issues of going through a rebuilding phase, which the Hornets are – is player evaluation um, and just deciding, you know, what player is being asked to do too much in the current state of the team. Like going back to the ball handling conversation, I mean, you have Malik Monk being asked to do more than, far more than he was when Kemba was in town. Uh, and it's obviously led to more opportunity for him and Devontae Graham both. And I think at times the coach is asking Miles to do more than. Uh, Miles may be capable of right now Um, and that's just a growing and learning process and I think when we're deciding down the road we're deciding when we're evaluating players down the road and their viability to the franchise uh, it's just really hard to determine what players are uh, like truly not fit for the team structure like you might say Miles is right now Miles might be a bench piece down the road Uh, PJ might not be the same player he is now when he has multiple capable pieces around him. Uh, I just think that's definitely one of the key parts we need to hit on uh, with the rebuilding phase of the team and just evaluating players during this time. Yeah, it's tough to evaluate when you have a roster uh, lacking Kimba. I I think that Miles Bridges clearly benefited from playing on the court with Kimba, as most players would, and now that he's having to see the ball a whole lot more, you're starting to see some of his deficiencies on the offensive end when you put the ball in his hands. And, you know, kind of moving forward, too, I kind of want to bring up this topic before we get to the college prospects. You know, Marvin Williams is a big mentor for both, I feel like, Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. Uh, He's a very good teammate, unselfish teammate. Uh, Saw a lot of those types of plays against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, My favorite play of him on... Monday night against the Suns was actually not a basket that he made, but a pass that he made in the fourth quarter. Uh, The ball was being driven by Bacon. It swung out to him, and he made the extra pass to Rozier, and it put the Hornets up four points late in the game. And It was a play that I thought was going to lead to a victory, but it's just those types of plays that you see out of Marvin. And and Brian, I want to throw this to you first, talking about Marvin, because I saw this tweet of yours about how, I think this was from you, how you would prefer to keep Marvin at the trade deadline instead of trading him, because he does serve as that consummate teammate, that that player that could mentor P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges moving forward, even if it's only for a couple of more months. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on Marvin as a teammate? And then, again, share your thoughts about him at the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm not sure if I if I quite tweeted that out or if that's maybe something I put in, in the Slack thread. To be clear, like I, I still like am open to the possibility of, of Marvin as a, as a trade chip, assuming there is a market and assuming – there, uh, you, you know, there's some bullishness to it as well. Um, you can't say enough about Marvin Williams, the spirit this guy plays with. He is the team's most vocal communicator. Uh, I think he is the heart and soul of this team, although Biombo clearly holds a special role uh, with everyone on the roster, and especially with some of the young guys. You can see he, he can make P.J. Washington laugh with, with relatively ease just in the heat of battle. But 
I just can't say enough about Marvin. Like he's having a, a kick-ass season, 43% on catch and shoot threes, shooting 67% on post-ups. Like he's attacking post-ups. He did this some last season too, but like when he gets a switch and he gets a smaller guy on him, uh, you know, he doesn't need Roy Williams to be sitting courtside for him to to want to get after it and, and get to the block and look for a high percentage look down there. I just think he plays with such incredible verve, with spirit, with high communication skills. Um, I think there's serious value to keeping him on the roster for a full season and maybe seeing if he wants to even come back next season to obviously at a far reduced rate as a guy to mentor PJ and Malik Monk and and Miles going forward. Um, Or if he, you know, is he going to be that, you know, where's the, does the, is the last gift you get from Marvin is that he, he helps you pick up a second round pick or something like that at the deadline. Like he's just doing the cost benefit analysis of like, a decent second round pick versus two more months of Marvin Williams. Obviously in a vacuum, you think you'd rather have the pick, but we sort of realized that personality communication skills, like those things have value too. And and Marvin brings that more than anyone else on a nightly basis to this roster. All right. With the Hornets picks, whether it's second round picks, like Brian just mentioned, or first round picks, uh, especially with the direction of this franchise, the Hornets are going to have to hit on some draft picks moving forward. That's just the way that it's going to have to be uh, with the way that this team is structured right now. And it's never too early, I guess, to talk about the Hornets' future in this upcoming draft. I know we're starting this a little bit early, but I know that Noah likes to talk college prospects, uh, while I, on the other hand, will probably just sit back on this conversation. So what I figured I'd do is just put like five or six minutes on the clock and I'll just sit back and listen to everyone's thoughts on some potential prospects for the Hornets. Uh, as of today, the Hornets are in the ninth spot uh, in the East with a record of 8-14. and 14. But I'm hoping, or secretly hoping, that we start to drop in the standings and increase our lottery odds. But let's start first with 6-3 freshman point guard at UNC, uh, Cole Anthony. Through seven games, he's averaging 21 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. I'm going to pass it off to Noah first, and I'm just going to put five or six minutes on the clock, and then we'll get to someone else. So Noah, what are your what's your evaluation so far on Cole Anthony? I'm a big Cole Anthony fan, um, to say the least. Uh, as you mentioned, his stats, I'll go as quickly as I can here. Uh, his stats, he's averaging over seven rebounds per game, and he's just, he's 6'3", and the only players to do that in the NBA in the last 20 years are Russell Westbrook, obviously, and Stevie Franchise. Uh, what he's doing right now as a rebounding guard and somebody who can just catch the ball and push in transition is remarkable, and it obviously fits very well with uh, Chapel Hill's system. Um, personally, I'm, a, I'm not usually a big comparison guy, but uh, I don't know how BG feels about this, but... Uh, the type of game that I see from Cole Anthony right now is very comparable to somebody like Damian Lillard to me, uh, yeah. maybe with like a little Russell Westbrook uh, mixed in between. Obviously, Cole doesn't exactly have that explosiveness that Westbrook has, but he definitely plays with that change of pace style, that ability to create different angles that I think is very professional level at this point, and just somebody that I think is one of the best franchise leaders, franchise-changing uh, players in this draft class yeah he had the one pull-up three late against Notre Dame um that was just straight up an NBA move that that basically closed that game out and yeah it looked like it, the closest comparison to that was like oh this looks like something Damian Lillard would do uh with Anthony I mean 
he's obviously, you know, I think he entered the season as the the one the number one overall prospect or one A, one B, whatever. I think he's dropped a little bit. I mean, he's obviously still a top three or four or five pick. Um, but I think he's I think he's been usurped by Anthony Edwards uh, as the season has started. But crazy high usage, good off the dribble skills with some shooting range, defensive upside. Like Noah said, good rebounder for a guard, 19% defensive rebound rate. One of uh, seven players in the nation right now, 30% usage, 25% assist rate, 3% steal rate. Again, good athlete that has some tools too. Um, you know, UNC's half-court offense really hasn't been that great so far this season, but it gets way worse um, when this guy sits. Uh, they, they fall off a cliff in terms of net rating when, when Anthony is on the bench. Uh, that's to be expected with a young roster that experienced a lot of turnover. But I think he's been a pretty good decision maker so far this year. He's had some big assist games. He can put a lot of pressure on the rim and, and drop off or kick out for threes. And I just think he's made good decisions um, in UNC's primary and secondary breaks, like when to push the ball, when to go, uh, as a lot of those point guard actions are sort of determined by the actual ball handler. I think the biggest issue with him so far this year has just been like overall, he hasn't been that efficient shooting the basketball, and he's especially struggled um, at the rim. Just 33% shooting in the half court at the rim, that's not very good. Uh, 45% shooting overall at the rim if you factor in transition, but Almost 85% of those makes have been unassisted, so he clearly has some some tempo and some power and some some pace. But like, I don't think he's been as explosive or as quick as I thought he was going to be, and I think he's sort of struggled to create separation. He's played better when UNC's gone small, um, and he has a little more space to operate with. And uh, yeah, I think I think his three point shot's been encouraging. He is a high, he's I think he's close to like fifty nine percent effective shooting off the catch, and obviously seventeen to forty eight overall on threes with forty eight percent of those hits unassisted too. So I love Cole Anthony. I mean, I think he's he's a really good player. I don't want to read too much into what's basically been just a seven game sample. I think there's been some good, some bad, and this is why we talk about these things early in the season because they're going to change over the course of the next seven months too. And one last thing I'll say on Cole uh, is something that like it, with a lead guard, uh, when you have no, basically no holes in your game, uh, it's very encouraging for a prospect. Uh, you think about Cole's game, we just mentioned his defense isn't bad, his off-ball defense isn't bad. He's willing to lead the team and the offense in the transition. There's just a lot to like about Cole, but um, there are multiple players who I think have outperformed where they were expected to be. And whereas Cole was the guy coming into the season, I think for a lot of people at number one, there are different prospects that I think are starting to surpass him. All right, last five minutes on the clock here for freshman shooting guard out of UGA, Anthony Edwards. Seven games in, he's averaging 24 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and one and a half blocks. What have you seen from Anthony Edwards? Yeah, I think he's I think he's the, t- the top prospect in this draft. The, the dude is an absolute beast in transition, uh, 72% effective shooting in transition, five dunks this year. It feels like 25 dunks. Uh, I... 
I like him as a slasher. I like him as an off-the-dribble guy. I think he would be a great fit with the Hornets. I His shooting numbers aren't great off-dribble or on long twos. 37% effective shooting off-the-dribble in the half court. 21% on long twos or two-point two attempts away from the hoop. Those aren't great numbers. But 71% shooting at the rim with 60% of those makes unassisted. Like He's got some shot creation to his game. He has seven unassisted threes already this year. Um, that's half of the threes he's made. 41% of his field goal attempts from behind the from behind the arc. So like, this is a guy that can get to the rim on his own. He can create his own shot from deep. I, I like the pull up jumper aspect of his game. I think he's going to get better there. I don't know if he's a guy that can be a primary initiator of offense. I think you know we're sort of down. That's sort of way down the road from now, but. A big power guard that can that can score. I mean, even if that guy doesn't become a you know an A one pick and roll engine, you know you can still you know that that guy can still be a major offensive cog. And as I think we sort of saw later in their careers, guys like Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, like those guys became pick and roll engines in their mid twenties. You know, it wasn't they, as soon as they stepped on an NBA court, they were they were there and ready to go. So I like Edwards a lot. I think he is a phenomenal prospect. And um, yeah, I mean, I think he's again right now. It's early, but I think he's the if the draft were tomorrow night, he would go number one for sure. And to touch on the poor shooting splits from Edwards recently, uh, I think that's just a function of the fact that he is quite literally Georgia's entire offense. Uh, there are obviously secondary ball handlers that they'll incorporate every now and then to get a bucket. Uh, but I believe Anthony Edwards, last I checked, was just outside of the top 10 in all of college basketball in terms of uses percentage, sitting at 33%. Um, something with Edwards that I want to note real quick is, as a lead ball handler, he stays very low off the bounce. He's always ready to attack. And coming out of high school, he was a guy who uh, was, his reputation was he has to be the guy in an offense. And obviously he went to a college where that is what he is. Uh, but something that I didn't expect was his shooting form is one of the best in college basketball, I think, right now. It's a lot better than the chicken wing that we mentioned with Cole Anthony. And on defense, he's tasked himself every night with guarding the team's best player. Like against Michigan State, he was get guarding Cassius Winston, and he did a fairly good job at keeping his arms out, not holding, uh, hand-checking Cassius too much because obviously – Cassius is one of the smartest players in college basketball. He was very methodical with how he was guarding the team's best player. And honestly, with his frame and his build, if he's guarding one of the team's best players, like he's going to shut him down or do the best job he can or the best job that they could ask of him. How did this uh, guy end up at UGA just because he's from Georgia? Yeah, I mean, he every, I mean, Florida State yeah. was very close to going to Florida State, actually, which, holy smokes, could you imagine him uh, on the Seminoles this year? Like, I don't know if you guys seen Florida State or not yet this year, but, like, they're switching one through five. I mean, they've, very got, athletic. They, they've, they've got their seven-foot-tall center switching out onto point guards, and it's working right now. Um and, and Devin, they're always they're always in transition too, which is perfect for Edwards. They, they have to be because like their half court offense is is not very good this year. Yeah. But like Trent Forrest and Devin Vassell, these are legit NBA prospects. Vassell's one of the best three and D guys that could come out this year. And they're having those guys pick up ninety four feet. They're pressing on over a third of their defensive possessions, and then they're falling back into switching one through five. Like Florida State's doing some crazy 
crazy stuff right now. Um, but yeah, he ended up at Georgia just because I think that was close to home. Tom Green's a monster recruiter. And uh, but yeah, I mean, every school in the country wanted this guy. All right. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of BuzzBeat. As always, we'd appreciate a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. No, have you done that for us yet? Have you given us a five star rating and review? Oh, without a doubt. And if you do so, you can get in the uh, the Slack chat, which oh, is that's right. full that's of right. great stuff. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we wanted to thank our, our guests today, uh, Noah Purser, for taking time to join us. Uh, we will have another great guest for you all next week. For Brian, for Noah, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Go Hornets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.